thank you so much, Emma, for joining me today. Very excited to chat about you know your journey um, as a founder, like kind of following following your your dream and, and following just things you're passionate about, kind of turned into something pretty special. So, but before we get into that, talk a little bit about you know, your personal journey. Like, what was what was that journey like and that arc like for you to to end up in Bali and, and starting a swimsuit brand? Yeah, absolutely. I say this every time that I'm always so um, nervous to talk about my surf background because yeah. I'm from Wisconsin. So sure. it really was a journey to get to the ocean. So I grew up in Wisconsin. Day one, wanted to be a surfer. No rhyme or reason huh. to it. Just wanted to be a surfer. I, my family finally took me to Wisconsin, to Hawaii in eighth grade. And I took my first surf lesson. Wasn't great, <laughs> but yeah. still just was determined. Like I was like, this is the life for me. I'm going to be a surfer. Wow. Um, I didn't surf again until the summer after I graduated from high school. My parents were like, what do you want as your high school graduation gift? And I was like, a surf lesson. And so huh. uh, my stepdad flew me out to San Diego, took another lesson was horrible still loved it still felt like it was exactly what i was supposed to be doing and so um i actually went out and like toured some colleges out in california i went to okay. usd and sdsu for tours both beautiful loved them both fell in love i was like this is it i really thought that was gonna be like the pivot in my life i was like yeah. done with wisconsin california here we come california surfer dream uh, and then I saw how expensive college is out in California. And, I, yep, I <laughs> and it just made sense to stay in Wisconsin. Um, so made the responsible decision, went to undergrad at UW-Madison. And then uh, after working for a year there, I ended up getting my master's as well in Wisconsin. So really kept myself in a cold place. Nice. Uh, all this time knowing that like at some point, I would be able to make make my move. So right right before I graduated my master's, we went online. We were pretty remote. And so I had moved to Hawaii. Um, I'd already kind mm. of started finding positions out there, was doing a lot of research. A lot of my projects I based on Hawaiian communities anyway. I was getting my master's in public health. Okay. And so I was always looking at those communities, doing my projects based on that. So I just, I was already like pointed in that direction. You, you were finding your way to the water somehow. Somewhere. I was ready. <laughs> so um, I actually went there for spring break and COVID hit a few days later and so mm. i got stuck in hawaii and wow. stuck it i use very lightly it was the best thing to ever happen so island shut down school was going to be fully remote until graduation date there was no reason for me to come back i had already had all my stuff um pre-shipped over so it was just gonna take a few months on a container wow. trip. and so the move had happened so with covid the one thing that you could do in hawaii was surf so i was surfing twice yeah. a day on my blue wave storm just doing the best i could no lessons no anything and it was <laughs> the best time of my life <laughs> I loved just learning as yeah. much as I could out in the water. Just it, it was a really great time. And eventually I I was doing, um, I was working with my master's, so doing outreach to people experiencing homelessness in Hawaii. So I was driving okay. all over the island each day, really getting to know the local community, which was so important to me, and then surfing. Um, and at one point I just decided, you know, my time in Hawaii was up and I was ready to see more of the world. So I got a fully remote job and I started in Puerto Rico and then made my way through Europe. And then finally, I think it took about three months for the countries to kind of fully open, ended up in yeah. Bali. And when I got here, there was this moment where I'm just driving my scooter with my longboard on the side of it. And like early in the morning, no traffic, super quiet on my way to go surf. And I was like, this, this is it. Like this nice. is exactly where I was supposed to be. And so that was that moment where I knew that Bali was going to be home for me for quite a bit of time. Um, but at this point, Nose Rider wasn't even on my mind. So sure. it was just, yeah, you I just, just found where in. I was meant to be. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, that's great. You mentioned that you, when you started, you were horrible, right? 
but you still loved it. Like it's that's kind of unusual to like not be good at something, but still love it. You know. So like, what did you love about it when you you know the first few times you went, even though you were bad. You know, it probably hurts. You know, it's not like it's a, it's a, it's it's not a gentle sport, let's say, or a gentle hobby. You know, you're getting beat up on the water probably a bit. So, what did you love about it? I loved the whole. I well, one, I loved being in the ocean. You know, being from mm-hmm. Wisconsin, like being in the ocean in and of itself is an incredible experience. Like being in water, being in the ocean, sitting on your board, and whether you're looking out at the ocean or back towards shore, you're seeing two really beautiful mm-hmm. things. You know, and that was just such an incredible experience for me. Um, and it still is to this day when I, whenever I surf different spots, I really catch myself like looking back at shore quite a bit and seeing, you know, it sounds so cliche, but just like palm trees and sand yeah. and blue, like that will always make me really happy. I, I mean, maybe it'll, it'll always make anybody. Yeah. Tales all this time for sure. <laughs> so you're in Bali and you know, you're there for, I guess, how long, like maybe a few months, a year, like how long before you get the spark to actually start like nose rider? What was that sort of light bulb moment for you while you were there? It was pretty quick. It took me about two months and it wasn't. So I guess there was kind of two moments. One was the moment when I realized that there was something missing. But at Hmm. this point, I didn't want to make a business out of it. So I'm driving around. I wanted a cropped rash guard. As I said, I wasn't very good at surfing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted a cropped rash guard that would just hold the bikini on. Everything would stay in. But I didn't want um, I didn't want one of those like flimsy, loose. I wanted to look cute. (laughs) I wanted to look cute. So um, I was driving around to all these stores and not a lot was open quite yet. Mm-hmm. Now, two years later, there's a lot more like boutique surf, yep. you know, geared shops, but not at that time. So I was like, well, why don't I just make myself a crop rash guard? How hard can it be? And mm. uh, took myself down into Denpasar, found a fabric store, and then literally drove around on my bike looking at signs trying to find a tailor. But I found mm. a local tailor, went in there, had this, had this like, rash guard and then bikini top and bottom all drawn out just exactly what i wanted like i wanted a quarter length sleeve i wanted a nice like a little bit loose over collar hair like everything that i was always thinking about in the water like oh i wish my suit did this or did that i gotcha. was like oh, this is my opportunity i can incorporate everything for me because i'm just making this for me so, so it was, a, it was really... like a proper sketch or like like a numbers board where you had like the dimensions all lined up was it like that official <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh okay. no <laughs> this was <laughs> And when I tell you, I always got A minus as an art class. I was a very good student, but I always got A minus in art class. And they were like, if you didn't try so hard, it would not be an A minus. So that is not my strike. So I took this, whatever you want to call it, in. It was just on like a piece of paper that I'd grab from the co working space, like drawing up what I could. A lot of it came from me really talking to the tailor. I think I had to like really, nice. like kind of chat through it and trust that. Um, he would be able to kind of bring this to life. And gotcha. lo and behold, a week later, I showed up and it fit me perfectly. And wow. I have barely made any changes to that crop grass jar top and bottom since that original design. But like I said, at this point, I wasn't making this crop grass jar as like a business product. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. again, not on my mind. I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't seeking that out. I wasn't seeking out having a business or having a brand or building any of that. I was truly just making this product for me, you know, to use in the water. Sure. And I took it out for its first surf and people were complimenting it. They're like, oh, that's so cute. Does it stay on? They're nice. asking me all these questions. And so we're chatting. And then um, it happened again the next time I was out there. And I was like, well, why don't I just make you one? I, ha- I actually have a lot of extra fabric because I obviously didn't know how much fabric I needed when I bought the yeah. fabric. 
got like 10 meters. I still have the fabric <laughs> to this day. I literally still have leftover fabric from when I bought this original, you know, That's awesome. patterned keys. But so I made a few for these other girls and they were like, this is great. I would love to, they're like, why don't you sell this? You're in Bali. Everyone has a business here. Like everyone starts something, whether it's not, you yeah. know, their full-time business or it's a side thing. It's very common to start a business here, creating something or selling yeah. something online here in Bali. So it wasn't a foreign concept to anyone else here, but for me, it was still like, mm, like not high on my yeah. list of priorities. Um, it's just not my background. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Let me look into it. And I started chatting with people. And I think between like the beginning of that week and the end of the week, I had domain purchase, website wow. built. I just, I, I, it was the first thing I think I really truly did in life and didn't second guess myself, didn't really overthink it because right. I was building it for me. Like there was, yeah. there was no expectation of success like attached to this. Like, Nose Rider didn't have to do well and succeed in order for me to live or make money or do this because it was just something that if I made three girls craft rash guards, like that's a win for me. I'm making a yeah. craft rash guard that I really want. Like that was the success was already there. And so I think like shifting my mindset around building a business that way uh, allowed me to to just do well those first like that first month or two because it's yes. hard it's hard work like yeah it's a lot of work yeah. to start a business yeah <laughs> and to start one in indonesia where there was a you know a language barrier and yeah. it, you know there's just so much you don't know in a new country there's so much you don't know in your own country and then yes. when you layer in a new country there's even more you don't know and yep. so you're just constantly failing and failing and failing and trying to like figure things out <laughs> and um but i think because i was doing it just because i loved it and genuinely wanted to be doing it it didn't feel like a constant failure it felt like yes. constant problem solving and so like that you know that shift of perspective i think really helped in those first few months and so this is you just started up on like a shopify website like bought the domain shopify did you have did you go take photos or like what was on the first iteration of, of the site? <laughs> yeah. It looks um, great now. Like to like now it's it's beautiful. Thank you. I imagine um, day one it wasn't it wasn't so uh... No, it wasn't as good day one. <laughs> I wish I would have taken screenshots of the website. Now I actually do that. I take screenshots so I can remember all the iterations of like what the site has looked like and evolved to. Um, well, I'll but... send you the website. You could do this. You could look up your domain at any oh, point in time. I'll say I would love to do that. Yeah. You know, so when I shifted from working um, my job in Hawaii to working remote, I actually got a job in digital marketing. And so oh, nice. yeah. it did help that I had this background in website. I was mm -hmm. kind of project managing an e-com brand at, the, at that time. And so although I didn't go out looking to, to build this, to build something like that on my own, I was already gaining all the knowledge of how to do it. Um, and I didn't even know that I wanted to apply it to my own life. So I think when I say, oh, I just launched the business in a week, that sort of, um, I think that like kind of sugarcoats the process of it. Yeah. Like I yeah. had then fortunately connected, collecting all this data on how to do it for, you know, the previous year. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I finally got into Bali, everything kind of lined up for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I ended up, I did do a photo shoot. So I actually, okay. I, I had, um, I picked three different colors, had all the pieces that I wanted. And I actually was going to a surf retreat the weekend that I'd planned on launching the website. So I had already done a photo shoot and I wasn't super happy with the photo shoot. I felt hmm. like the, my vision for the brand and how I wanted it viewed was really, it wasn't captured correctly. I felt huh. like it was a little over like sexualized in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It was very like model focused. It was very, yeah. it was the, the one time I paid a model. And she's lovely. She and I are actually, we became yeah. great friends after the shoot. <laughs> but the way that the photographer shot it wasn't quite 
you yeah. know, what I had in my mind sure. um, for the brand. It would have been great. So, to the, on the brand. so it was the first hurdle right out the gate, right? It was just sort of yeah. first time where it's like, oh, you hit a little roadblock. Yeah. And um, especially because I think like how, how a brand is captured in pictures or video these days is how the brand is going to be perceived. Like no matter how much I write my mission, my vision, yep. you know, all that, that doesn't really matter. Like people see what they see and they're going to take that in and they're going to put there. Mm-hmm. So that to be said, like the imagery was so important to me. And so on the surf retreat, I wanted the girls to be testing the surf suits out and, and, you know, giving me a little bit of feedback. We're about to launch. And we ended up doing a photo shoot. And so the pictures that I put on idea. the website yes. were pictures of all the girls from the retreats. Nobody was yeah. tired. Everyone was super excited to be there, to be involved. Um, I just gifted all the girls suits. One yeah. of them was really good at Google Analytics. And so she grabbed my computer and set some stuff up on the back yep. end. Somebody else had a really some really large followings. And so they were like really pushing my stuff. And it was just such a cool team community effort. And it just yep. felt like launching launching the brand at a surf retreat with a group of girls that I had just met. And surfing mm-hmm. was the thing that brought us all together. I felt yep. like the perfect way to launch the brand. And was, this was just the tops at this time? Was it any bottoms nope. or this was just tops? I had designed, I designed a, um, the craft rash guard and then two different tops and two different bottoms. So one was okay. a little bit more, okay. one was meant to be more supportive. I just, you know, and I did the best I could. Yeah. Um, the second bikini that I designed, I don't carry anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up phasing that out, but, um, that original top, the craft rash guard bikini top and, uh, bottom still exists to this day. The surfing community just seems like one of the most together like supportive communities i can't think of another like segment of business and like another culture and community to have behind you it always seems to just they always just seem to really be supportive in in everything like each other each other does and i'm not a surfer never been surfing i'm i'm definitely scared of like heights and then like deep deep water in the ocean and so that's like i could never imagine doing something like that but i could imagine like i the people in that sort of culture i can imagine like getting along with perfectly and so i think that was also something that that was like meant to be along the way was this community supporting day one helping that foundation like you said to kind of help the back end stuff get the get the photos up you know have maybe some you know some good friends tag on social media just to get that initial like support out there that helps so much, but that's just so right for that community, huh? Yeah, yeah, I feel really fortunate. And even even now, when I meet people or meet friends in Bali, the ones that stay are kind of my surf girlfriends. So mm-hmm. the ones that I, you know, yeah. spend time in the water with, we grab coffees afterwards. As much as it's an individualistic support or sport, there's so much really community around it. So yeah, I feel really fortunate that that was the community for the product that I was launching. So after that first, so after you launch it, now you kind of have. You know, you have some some stuff in the wild. You have people wearing it. So, what was sort of that next step after that? Was it you know six months of of that sort of beta prototype, like having some people buy it, doing those you know those couple sets? But now you have, I mean, it's like you have a dozen different types. Like you have a much broader product line. So, I guess how long did it take from that first iteration after the surf retreat to get that out there to then? Really being like, okay, like this could really be something I dedicate a lot more time to. Yeah, I the biggest thing that happened is a surf shop in Lombok, the island over from Bali, took a chance on me and stocked my items um, okay. right off the bat. And it was where the surf retreat was. And Jenny, the owner, is lovely. And so she awesome. really took a chance on me right away. Um, and she put me in her store. And I ended up selling 
more in that store than online or anything like that. Like that nice. store really kept me afloat. And so it really meant a lot that this this other small business owner was like, mm-hmm. I see what you're doing. I want to support you. And so she put me in the store. And so having having um really consistent income from that surf shop over on Lumba allowed me to well, one, my first line wasn't sustainable material. I couldn't afford it at that point. Sustainable yeah. material costs twice as much. Yeah. And so my biggest thing that I wanted to do right away was keep the designs, but let's let's switch the material quality and type. I want it sustainable. And the other thing was I was just kind of working with my tailor to really make the suits stronger. So there's I learned okay. so there's so much I don't know. I learned so much like if you if you don't pull your fabric tight when you're doing your stitching and then let it come mm. together, like that gives it more flexibility. And so there's a point where some seams were breaking. And so I had to like, I had to just learn all this stuff about how to, how to make a bikini better. And it's these yeah. tiny things that no one really sees. Like If you look at the first bikini top and the bikini top today, they look pretty much the same. Yeah. But yeah. so many of these like little micro changes and tweaks have happened along the way to really bring the quality and the durability and the sustainability that I'm really, really proud to have today. Um, so many of these like minor little feats that happen. So I switched materials, launched launched a sustainable collection um, a few, maybe a few months later. Yeah, I launched it like right at the end of US summer. I've learned that you can't say summer when you live in Indonesia because that is the opposite meaning for people from Australia and people from what do you the US. Mean? So I launched like the summer collection. And it didn't make any sense for people in Australia because oh, it was their winter. I see. I see. <laughs> so I, see. Like, I said something the other day. I was like, oh, so I'm really envisioning like really pretty spring colors. Someone was like, what are, what are you like? For rainy just, season? Yeah. So anyway, I like I always laugh about like what everyone will be like, well, what summer? Who's summer now? Yeah. No, that's fair. Anyway. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so I launched my summer collection and um, that one did well. Again, the switch to sustainable material. The girls that already loved my tops were Loved them even more. Bought them in every color type thing. Mostly from Nalua, again, um, yeah. the surf shop in Lombok. And so that was, again, just like keeping me afloat. It was also a moment where I realized it's my product really has to be tried on and seen in the water in order for people to really, um, like at that point, I think it's changing. Um, the way that I've really switched to how I do my social media now, I think tries to create that same effect but there's something about Hmm. when you put these surf suits on when you're in the water with them when you see another girl in the water with them that makes you want it more so than on the website so that's when i switched and decided okay i'd really like to open a store in bali and so um, i traveled a bit i let i went home to the u.s emptied my storage unit i was like bali's it at least this side of the world is it for now tied up all my loose ends sold my car like did all the things to like fully make me fully remote and then made my way back to Bali. And so when I came back this this most recent time, I was like, here I am. It's home. Time to really set up a nose rider. Like time to figure out how to open up a shop here and just set it up all properly. I switched manufacturers. So when I say manufacturer, that's such a loose term. I have this amazing, amazing tailor. And she works out of her home. And she has nine other women that work out of her home. Wow. So it's actually not made in a factory. It's made from homes, uh, from women in their homes, just nine minutes up the road from where I now have my surf shop. Um, so again, when I say this brand has always been like community driven in like the surf world, same thing for like the back end of things, like the production side of things. I've always wanted it really community driven, locally made. It's actually a big thing that I'm running into right now. A big challenge is that how do I continue to scale 
and keep it at this community level. I'm hitting this. I'm at that weird part where everyone's like, you need to go produce somewhere else. You need to find a factory. Mm. You need to do this. Um, and so I'm trying to navigate how do I support my team here in Bali? How do I also support the demand for the product? So, but now I, now I like, I like these challenges. It's a really great place to be. Um, and I think how I decide to navigate these challenges is really going to determine um, the direction for Nose Rider um, in the next few years. I want to talk a little bit about just some of the, the lessons learned and, and maybe some advice and, and tips you can give to, you know, future entrepreneurs looking at, you know, a, a side gig, a, you know, a, whether it's a side hustle or, you know, taking a bigger leap and, and trying to do it full time. Um, I love the idea what you did. You kind of started from a place of passion and, you know, built it out over time, you know, it kind of a little risk averse, right? You could say, hey, I, could, I still have work remote full time, still do this on, on the side where it's you can build it how you want to build it. There wasn't like you said, a lot of pressure. It was like, I'm building it for me. Eventually, I'll build it for a few other people. And now you're sort of you're scaling it in your own way right now, right? Scale means different things to different companies at different times in the company's life. But what are some of the, the tips and advice you can give to, to future entrepreneurs, no matter where they are? One thing that I recently, it's like I always knew it, but I really learned it recently is that my surfing only got better with more time in the water, right? Just more time in the yes. water, regardless yeah. of conditions. So whether it was bad conditions, great conditions, sunny, rainy, didn't matter. Like getting in the water and surfing I, I progressed. I got better. You learn how to navigate different situations in the ocean. You learn th different things about yourself. And that exact same thing can be said about your business. I see a lot of people who start these part-time gigs out of passion on the side. And they, they're a fair, fair weather entrepreneur, just like I used to be a bit of a fair weather surfer. And mm. the moment that you decide to work on your business, regardless of conditions, so and it, it doesn't mean you need to be giving that same amount all the time, right? Like yeah, for me, yeah. I made the goal to get in the water four times a week. And I think mm. that same concept can be applied to your business where I want to work on my business four times a week. And it doesn't matter how much you move the needle each of those four days, because what you're doing is you're stacking the odds in your favor, right? With me surfing four times a week, I stack the odds in my favor. I was inevitably, one, going to get better at surfing. I was spending more time in the water. Yeah. I was going to learn yeah. so much more. And two, I was putting myself into different environments and situations that like, if I had just chosen to surf one time that week, I, I would have been able to avoid. And that same thing in business, you know, work on your business, you know, but if it's four times a week or, or whatnot, yeah. work at it in the weird conditions, work on it when it's tough, work on it when it's good. Like you learn so much. I, I mean, I learn obviously what you learn constantly. You're constantly collecting data and you learn yep. your business is succeeding, right? You're like, yes, this is working. This is what I should be doing. But I've learned more from my biggest fails from Nose yeah. Rider. I, yeah. I've learned just constantly. And so um, I'd say that, you know, being in Bali, I see a lot of small businesses start and then kind of like yep. settle, I'd say. Yep. Like, I, and I think that's, we really commonly see that where a business starts and it becomes somebody's, um, their side project and it remains yeah. their side project. Yes. Like, how do you get out of that? Right. How do you, how do you take it from like a side gig to like a business that you're growing in? I still work another job. Like, I still yeah. Yeah. People think I'm crazy for it, but I still, I still work two jobs. But how do you take it from, you know, a side hustle to something that you're passionately growing, constantly working on where it feels more like your business, right? And I think it's time in the water. It's time in the business. Like you yeah. just have to keep, keep going and keep putting, you know, what you have at that, on that day in it. Um, whether that's catching one blocks. wave or catching 10 waves, same thing with business. Yeah. You do one little thing, you do 10 big things and you just never know what it's going to, what's going to happen. So. 
Yep. Every day is build a box. And one day you'll just, you'll have, you'll build a house. If you keep building every single day, it's, it's just time. It's eventually yeah. going to happen, you know, just over time, over time, repetitive, repetitive. And the you mentioned, days that you lay just that one block is the yeah. days that matter the most because you're maintaining momentum. And I think people just forget that. Mm. Like humans need momentum, whether it's in yes. business and life, you, you need that like forward movement. You mentioned, you know, switching from sort of materials that you had initially to a more sustainable material. I think EcoNile is sort of the big one that, that you yeah. sort of chose. What was your research like going into that? And for those who don't know, can you explain what EcoNile is? Yeah. So EcoNile is something, so the fabric that I use is Vita by Carvico and it uses, I think, the EcoNile technology. Um, and so basically it's 78% of recycled material. And again, this is not my background. I don't know anything about textiles or fabrics or this or yeah. that. So it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of going around to every fabric shop I could find on Google Maps from asking around and just asking questions. What is what is the best material that you use for swim? Which one is the most sustainable? Tell mm-hmm. me about it. Um, and so learning just through going, especially because I can do all the research that I wanted online. But at the end of the day, yeah. if I couldn't get it here in Indonesia, it wasn't going to work for me. And that just wasn't going to be sustainable. So I really had to figure out what my best option was here. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that it was the Vita by Carvaco. And when you, once I say that, you'll start, if you're looking into different swimwear, you'll see that a lot of the sustainable swimwear brands do use that exact same material. So I think at this point, that is the, I want to say gold standard, but I'd say it's the accessible gold standard, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I was actually just, I'm in the process of getting some proper certifications and working with organizations to help businesses become more sustainable and, you know, socially yeah. and environmentally responsible, right? And so there's the SANE certification and they particularly specialize in helping smaller businesses do this. Because a lot of these larger businesses, you see it, they're yeah. like, you know, green certified and all this stuff and they can have it on their tags. It all costs money. Yeah. It, it costs a ton of money and those audits and like getting these certifications and things like that. It's a lot to navigate. It's just like, um, I mean, so is the certification, but they make it at a lot more. They I had a meeting with them last night. You know, she got on a, a Zoom call with me and we were chatting through all these different things that I can do. And it was a really, really incredible experience. And so they, so this is something that we're running into right now where they require garments to be 90% um, of sustainable material. And so I am currently on the hunt to find a swimwear, a nylon material that is closer to that 90%, but I have yet to find it. So I think it's just always this, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant checking yourself and auditing yourself to be doing better, to be more sustainable and to be, and thinking beyond the material as well. Like I love that I manufacture here in Indonesia. Yeah. It cuts out of, you know, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, um, it keeps it so local and small and supports the community that I am, you know, benefiting by being in. So I really like that as well feels like the brand is very like just within the community but yeah just always looking for for new ways to be more sustainable and more environmentally and socially responsible as a business so it yeah. definitely goes beyond the material is what i'm definitely. I really learned yeah well you've done a ton so far um and the, the last question question we'll hit on is just a little bit about the future and you know when you look at you know three to five years down the down the line and i know it's a long time and every day is a a new battle but what are some of the goals and, and successes you'd like Nose Rider to achieve? Yeah, the biggest one is definitely some proper certification around sustainability. I just touched on that, but I think mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said about when I pursue it so aggressively because it's not required. It's not required for me to have these certifications, but I right. think when you choose to 
you know, show and demonstrate that how much you're working towards being more sustainable and, and making those decisions very consciously, it kind of like brings the the norm up to that level as well. It holds other swimwear brands to that same, you know, to that same set of responsibility. And so yeah. that's a big one for me. I think like as I achieve these certifications, I'd love to help. I have other friends here who have swimwear brands. And so I think all of us should be working towards those certifications. Yeah. I think it's great. The other thing would be, um, I want nose runner all over the world. Um, I'm actually, I'm flying out to Australia on Wednesday. It'll be my first time in Australia. I'm very excited. And we are starting up in Noosa and working our way all the way down to Sydney. And we have surf meetups planned. I'm just excited to meet people, see the surf yeah. community there. I feel like it's very um, similar, like surfing culture there. I, was just, I don't know either. <laughs> um, people keep telling me I'm going to love Byron Bay and the Gold Coast. So people have definitely picked out what they think my favorite spots are going to be. But I, I think I'm just really excited to kind of tap into that community and that and that surf culture as well. Because although I think it's very similar in terms of there's a really great sense of community, there's going to be all those little micro differences that, you know, the surf culture in Hawaii versus California is very different versus yeah. surf culture. So I know that Australia is going to have its entire own thing. And I'm just so excited to see what that is. I'm trying to be really open-minded about it and um, just take it all in over the next three weeks. So you're going there to with maybe perhaps an intention of getting in some stores there or kind of feeling out like what how is it possible to get to get some over there? Yeah, I'll be doing a few pop-up shops at different surf shops along nice. the way. So just kind of getting my product into people's hands and um and kind of working with those surf shops. Like, is this a product that would do well in your shop? Mm-hmm. I never want to I never want to feel like I'm tricking someone into putting nose rider in their store. Like I want it to work for their community. I want it to work for them. And I think there's something to be said about going there, meeting the owners, letting them feel, like I said, like letting people feel the suit, like see it in the water, get the girls surfing in it. Because a lot of the girls here in Bali are Australian and they love, they love Nose Rider. They're always asking me if I'm going to stalk in Australia somewhere. So I think um, me being there in person and really showing what this brand is all about, Australia, especially in the surf community, is hyper community focused and so they really love their local brands or australian based brands things like that and so i think just being there and showing what nose rider is all about will really resonate with them and so hopefully they'll make an exception on a girl from wisconsin what's what's nose rider mean i feel like it's a simple surf turn i should know but what is it for, for the ignorance of us yeah so well so i may i there's two types of surfing there's you can about shortboard or a longboard and so nose rider is very longboard focused and to nose ride is when you cross step and you walk your way to the front of the board and you have all your um toes up the nose so that's where a nose ride comes from yeah so funny the week that i was trying to launch this business i was literally sitting there being like which domain do i buy surfbikinis.com or surf and (laughs) and like and it was such a digital marketing versus community play and it was the first time that i it was like i made the decision that this was going to be community and brand focused not just a digital marketing you know clickbait thing and so like i was trying to decide between those two domains and those rider surf it was and i'm really glad i made that decision i think um that was one of those things that just made it like I doubled down on the community aspect. Like I was going to build a brand around the name. It wasn't about the surf suits. It was about the nose rider community. And that was like one of those first decisions that going on um, yeah. the path of, of nose rider. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emma. This was, this was awesome. I, I love the story. I, I love the, the building blocks aspect of it. Just the entrepreneurial spirit behind it. I mean, it's just everything that 
I love about doing this is is these brands that just kind of sneak up on people, you know, because like in 10 years, it'll be a global brand, right? But like those first two years are just like incredibly vital. Most people will quit and just not have the passion for it anymore. It, and it's that's normal, right? That's it's it's nothing to to be frowned upon. It's just that's what happens. Um, but perseverance is is huge in all this. So congrats on everything so far, and best of luck for the next ten years. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. <laughs>